0: Good evening, everybody. It is 5 p.m., and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca. Today in YGK is brought to you by CFRC's News Collective, comprised of Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Erica Singh, and Mary McKetty. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here is your local news rundown. Councillor Jeff McLaren is looking to have Council approve and to be appointed to the Development Board of Limestone City Cooperative Housing, a soon-to-be-incorporated non-for-profit housing cooperative. His goal is to address the housing crisis through the development of additional cooperative homes, believing this approach to be the best way to facilitate the creation of more mixed income affordable housing in the city. There are so many benefits to cooperative housing, he says. Councillor McLaren continues, stating that, with Council putting me on the board, a partnership between the municipality and a community organization can be formed that can unlock provincial and federal seed funding which would not otherwise be available without this partnership. In addition to increased funding availability, a mixture of socioeconomic groups within the same area will build a shared living experience and understanding. Further, since a portion of these units will be available at market rates, the costs of maintaining housing expenses at below market rates can be mitigated. In essence, market rates will offset the costs of offering rent geared to income units to qualified individuals. This means that affordable housing can be made secure as well as sustainable. He continues to say that co-ops also provide an internal safety net. For example, if someone loses their job, they can move to a rent-geared-to-income model until they find alternate employment. Another great advantage is community building. Co-ops require a minimum of volunteer time for the betterment of the co-op, which both encourages a sense of pride and community through self-governance and working toward a common cause while also lowering ongoing operating costs. Limestone City Cooperative Housing is the first of hopefully many housing co-ops. I hope to keep building as long as land and seed money is available, says Councillor McLaren. I will be speaking with Councillor McLaren soon, and we'll have this interview ready available on CFRC.ca and CFRC 101.9 FM on my weekly show, The Rundown, which airs every Tuesday at 5pm. I look forward to speaking with Councillor McLaren about what the co-op will actually look like, how it will properly be established and how it will run efficiently, and more. Be sure to tune in 5 p.m. on Tuesdays for The Rundown with me, Alexandra Fernandez. Speaking of affordable housing, the City of Kingston has set to move forward with the plan to remove unhoused campers on Tuesday, March 21st. Homeless individuals living in tents in Kingston, Ontario on municipal land surrounding the integrated care hub are bracing for the possible eviction by the city tomorrow. I know I won't leave easy and I'm not the only one, says Jay English, one of the campers that could be forced to relocate. The municipality plans to remove people living mostly in tents and lean-tos made from scrap wood on March 21st. Kingston Mayor Brian Patterson says he expects those remaining at the camp will leave voluntarily. Local activist group Mutual Aid Cataraqui Kingston put out the following news release on Friday, March 17th. The City of Kingston is proceeding with its planned eviction of Bell Park encampment residents that could take place on or sometime after this coming Tuesday, March 21st. On March 14th, the City of Kingston issued a statement saying that they have consulted with encampment residents near Bell Park and ICH and are offering low barrier shelter options. The release also stated there is extra shelter capacity to accommodate those still in the encampment. We have serious about all three claims one, that campment and residents were consulted, that the places referenced in the release are low barrier options, and three, That there is additional capacity in the shelter system. We believe that the city cannot and should not claim that any of these are meaningfully true. Instead, we presume that the city is seeking to abdicate its responsibility in the wake of the Waterloo ruling that affirmed encampment residents' rights. We therefore think that any steps taken to evict encampment residents in the ICH Bell Park area would not only be inhumane and unethical, but also a breach of human rights based on the Waterloo region precedent. In the news release, The mutual aid, Cataraqui Kingston Group, then further goes to break down the different three claims that the city has made that they do not agree with and that they do not believe is true. First is consulting with the encampment. In the news release, they say, the city claims that consultation with encampment residents has taken place. Members of Mutual Aid Cataraqui Kingston, also known as MAC, visited the encampment on March 16th and spoke to eight residents, and all of them stated that no city staff members have consulted with them about their situation or needs. We therefore asked the city, who from the current encampment have you consulted? When and where did this happen? Did you disclose that you were city workers and explain the intent of your conversation? Or if you sent partners to conduct this consultation, did they make it clear to to encampment residents that they were there on behalf of the city of Kingston and the intent of the conversation. How have these consultations informed services being delivered? The next concern they had is low barrier options. While some of the shelter options in Kingston offer fewer barriers, no location referenced in the city news release is truly low barrier, like the ICH or sleeping cabins, neither of which, interestingly, were listed as options. Most importantly, the city of Kingston's definition of, quote, low barrier, unquote, fails to address the accessibility needs of those who use substances. Many of the encampment residents use substances, which is why they stay close to the ICH and in the encampment where residents practice safer substance use together. Omitting reference to substance use, in the definition of low barrier, is dishonest and against the principles of harm reduction. City staff are claiming that they have done their due diligence, but it is clear that they have not meaningfully listened and responded to residents' needs and are refusing to address the elephant in the room. The city has at other times claimed that it wasn't within their responsibility or ability to respond to those needs as a municipality. However, even if they continue to work with the province on longer term solutions, people need appropriate shelter options now. As long as adequate low barrier options do not exist, the city does not have the right to evict residents from the only places they can find adequate shelter. Evictions will not bring people into shelters if those spaces do not meet their needs. They will simply push people further into the woods, away from life saving care and into greater risk. Another concern that MAC had was the number of beds. Contrary to the city's claims, there simply aren't enough shelter beds to accommodate everyone in the encampment now and into the future. Max spoke with eight encampment residents who said they stayed outside of ICH on the night of March 14th, and they identified an additional 10 people they said were outside as well. Shelter workers confirmed on March 15th that their locations were at capacity the night of March 14th, with the exception of the Kingston Youth Shelter, where no one from the encampment is eligible to stay because they are not 16 to 24 years old, and St. Mary's, which only had one available bed on March 14th. Mac is also aware that the Adelaide shelter was originally only funded until the end of March and St. Mary's may only stay open until the end of April, and what happens when those beds are gone? Last, no evictions, is what they are fighting for. The news release continues to say, Existing encampment residents haven't been meaningfully consulted. There is no information about who was consulted or how that resulted in any service changes in the past two months. People who use substances have not been accommodated, and there are not enough beds in the emergency shelter system now, and there will be fewer by April 30th. Given these circumstances, it's fair to ask the city about its eviction plans. What does success look like here? If there are not enough shelter spaces, period, let alone ones that would meet the needs let alone actual housing options for people how can proceeding with an eviction be successful evicting people knowing that only risk harm and trauma will result is foolhardy inhumane and dangerous the waterloo ruling made it clear that encampment residents cannot be evicted when there is a lack of adequate indoor shelter options and that service restrictions such as rules around substance use have the quote net effect of reducing the number of beds that would otherwise be available in the region unquote the city of kingston can't say they have done their due diligence wash their hands of the situation and evict people who are unhoused simply because the city has met some needs we all know this isn't how accessibility and human rights work we demand that there be no evictions instead there must be meaningful engagement with people who live in the encampment and accessible options have been provided for everyone so that encampment residents can leave by their own choice In the meantime, MAC is encouraging members of the community to write to City Council and join their rapid response phone tree by texting 613-777-2664 with your name and number and stay tuned. If evictions proceed, MAC will make an announcement and call on community members to stand in solidarity with the encampment residents and against eviction. Again, that number is 613-777-2664. That's it for your local news rundown. Now, let's talk about our artist of the week. This week's Artist of the Week is singer-songwriter from Kingston, Ontario, of course, Lauren Carson. Lauren Carson is a sort of Pope Falk artist here in the Kingston area and has been touring around Ontario recently, performing across, and she is doing some really great things. She started with music when she was only seven years old in a bluegrass band and recorded her first full-length album at the very young age of 12 years old. And she had this bluegrass and roots music as her sort of foundation, and now she's kind of making her own sound and pulling on influences from Mary Chapin Carpenter and also uses melody influences of Rayla Montaigne and creates this warm folk pop sound as described on KingstonLive.ca. You can go check her out on our website at LaurenCarsonMusic.com, But if you want to check out Lauren Carson in person, she will actually be performing at the Broom Factory this weekend, so you should definitely check that out. She is opening up for the Honest Heart Collective, and that is taking place, like I said, at the Broom Factory on Saturday, March 25th, this coming Saturday. Tickets are $15. It is an all-ages show and is presented by KPP Concerts. The Broom Factory is located at 305 Rideau Street. Doors are at 7. Show starts at 7.30. And it will be a very fun show with Lauren Carson opening up for the Honest Heart Collective. Anyway, thank you so much. Now let's throw it over to Zayden Vergara with our sports report for the week.
1: Good evening, everyone. My name is Zayden Vergara and welcome to your CFRC Sports Highlights. Queens' distance tracks Jude Wheeler-D captured the gold medal in the men's 1000 meter at the U-Sports Track and Field Championship in Saskatoon. In his first event of the championship, Wheeler G crossed the line first with a time of 224.59. Following up on his gold medal in the same event at the OUA Tracking Field Championship two weeks earlier. In sailing news, Queen's Sailing Heelboat Team embarked on a journey to the Los Angeles Yacht Club, where they were one of the seven teams selected from a pool of 140 schools to attend and compete. The Harbour Club is a unique regatta with the most competitive teams in North America. Day 1 brought rain and strong winds for the team. The tricky conditions made communication and teamwork that much more important. The team was quick to learn the boat and adapt to the Catalina 37. Samuel Risk drove the boat towards the 2-meter waves and Mansell styles, and Owen Bailey held down the foredeck in the slippery conditions. Day 2 brought on fog and incredibly light winds. The team was manifesting sunshine and blue skies while sitting on the water postponed for six hours. Finally, the wind filled in and the team completed two races. Rose Sabrola was quick in the pit to ensure clean hoists and drops. On the final day of sailing, Sunshine finally came out and gave the team the lovely California conditions they were hoping for. Galen Richardson, the tactician, directed the team to a third place finish on their first race of the day. Thomas Ila was smooth on the main to keep the boat flat and fast throughout the fog and shop. The fog periodically moved in and blanketed all teams, and the gales were sailing without any views of a mark at times. The competitive fleet found all 10 boats rounding their mark at the same time on the first downwind of the second race. Rachel Green and Julian Hill worked together to quickly trim the jib and ensure the spinnaker was always filled. By right the end of the event, the team was a well-oiled machine and fine-tuned their skills. The team was amazed by the hospitality and kindness of the LAYC and other teams. The event was incredible, and the team is grateful for the opportunity and is looking forward to returning in the upcoming years. On that note, that's all from your CFRC Sports Update. Now over to Chris Laurie with a community update.
2: This is Chris coming in with your community update for this week. Coming up at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library, spend an hour with Ian Reid at KFPL and Queen's in-person bookmarks event. Join the Kingston Frontenac Public Library and Queen's University Library for an unforgettable in-person reading and Q&A session with Ian Reid, one of Kingston's impressive literary stars. The event will be held on March 31st from 2 to 3 p.m. at the Central Branch, Meeting Room 1. Registration is required to attend. Reid's books, including We Spread, Foe, The Truth About Luck, One Bird's Choice, and I'm Thinking of Ending Things, are a fascinating journey into the human psyche, exploring themes like love, loss, identity, and the mysteries of the universe. Reads I'm Thinking of Ending Things was recently adapted into a Netflix film. Be sure to register online at calendar.kfpl.ca slash event or by calling 613-549-8888. The Give 30 campaign in Kingston is launching on March 17th. The annual campaign to raise funds for Partners in Mission Food Bank during Ramadan and beyond. This will mark the 10th year of giving in Kingston. Give 30 is about everyone, regardless of faith or background, supporting the Give 30 campaign partner organizations during the month of Ramadan, so we can fight hunger in our communities. This initiative is about caring for our neighbors and making a difference together. Ramadan takes place from March 23rd until April 20th, 2023, and this year's campaign runs until June 30th, 2023. Be sure to donate at the partner's in mission food bank donation page or you can mail a check to Partners in Mission Food Bank at 140 Hickson Avenue, Kingston, Ontario, K7K 2N6. For more information, you can visit give30.ca or the Partners in Mission Food Bank website. That's all for your community update this week, and next up, I'm passing it to Mary with the weather.
3: Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your CFRC weather report. Monday evening, you'll we'll see cloudy conditions with a 30% chance of flurries or rain showers and reach a low of zero. Tuesday morning, it will be mainly cloudy with 30% chance of flurries or rain showers. Winds will become westerly at 20 kilometers per hour, and we reach a high of plus 8 by the afternoon. Tuesday evening, we will have cloudy periods and a low of minus 3. Now over to Alex with our traffic report.
0: Thank you so much, I'm Alexandra Fernandez and here is your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Frontenac Street from Princess to York will be closed until March 22nd this coming Wednesday at 5pm. Lower Bruce Wing Bridge is closed until further notice. Parks Canada is continuing its efforts to replace the bridge over the winter season. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until April 31st at 7pm and Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until October 31st. The School Streets Initiative is still in place. The following streets are closed from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m., as well as 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. on weekdays until June 29. That's Macdonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. Thomas Street from Cowdy to Patrick is closed on Mondays from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. until August 28. For the Place Street Initiative, parking disruption at the chan memorial parking structure is still in place the restoration project is now underway the work will take place throughout all levels of the building and the work is expected to conclude in late december the work will be completed in phases to allow the building to remain open to the public parking for the duration of the project phased work areas will occupy now a maximum of 33 percent of the available parking stalls at a time up to 150 spaces will be out of commission there is parking availability at the Hanson memorial and the Robert Bruce Memorial parking garages in the two adjacent blocks to the east if you're looking for a new place to park. Other delays that you can expect this week, Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to West of Coronation Boulevard, you can expect delays, but construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic in and around the work zone. That's it for your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston, and now let's throw it over to Mary McKetty with our events calendar.
3: Thank you so much. I'm Mary McKetty and this is your events calendar for the week. From now until Sunday, you can catch the final performances of Ene by Rosemary Doyle at the Tet Center for Creativity and Learning, located at 370 King Street West. Doyle's play follows the journey of a young college-age girl to Ireland as she uncovers the secrets of four generations of her family after meeting her maternal grandmother for the first time. Showtimes and ticket prices vary, so make sure to check out tetcenter.org events for more information, and that's tetcenter.org slash events. Coming up on Thursday, the Kingston Hiring Summit is back for another year of networking and recruiting at the Quality Inn and Conference Center, located at 33 Benson Street. Presented by the Greater Kingston Chamber of Commerce, this summit hosts 46 exhibitors seeking qualified candidates for positions that they are hiring for. Job seekers are encouraged to stop by from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. with their resumes, so make sure to register online at kingstonchamberca events. Next up on Friday, the Little Cataraqui Creek Conservation Area, located at 1641 Perth Road, is hosting a forest therapy walk. Led by forest therapy guide Stana luxford Audi, the forest therapy walk is meant to help you connect more deeply to nature, to others, and to yourself by walking, sitting, or standing in nature and sharing how you feel with others in the group. The walk takes place from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. and limited spots are available, so make sure to register online for $20 at katarakuconservation.ca. And that's c-a-t-a-r-a-q-u-i-conservation.ca. Also on Friday, the Imbish Grins perform live at the Merchant Tap House, located at 6 Princess Street. With experience performing as hit artists throughout the decades, ranging from David Bowie to Amy Winehouse, this classic rock cover band is sure to offer a riotous good time. No cover price or registration is required, so just make sure to be there from 10.30pm to 1.30am. To wrap up our week on Sunday, the Queen's Student Diversity Project... QSDP, is hosting their fourth annual Empower Conference at Goods Hall, located at 143 Union Street. This conference is open to current high school or university students and aims to offer students insight into different lived experiences through a series of speaker panels, where guest speakers will discuss their experiences with adversity and how they overcame them. This event takes place from 11 a.m. Um, to 5 p.m. and registration is required. So make sure to visit QSDP Instagram page at Queen's Diversity Project with no capitals, underscores, or punctuation in the username for more, inf- for more information and the link to sign up. I'm Mary McKetty and those are all the events we're highlighting for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or tip to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next.